spring Saturday morning to you. Thank you for joining us, and welcome to another edition of the Wealth Guardians Show. I'm your host, Doug Ray, and I appreciate you spending some of your weekend morning with us. JB, of course, is with us today, as always, in studio, and I've got a surprise. We've got Bryce Payne. We introduced Bryce to you a few weeks ago. So Bryce is back, and he's actually going to help us answer some of your great questions today. Hey, guys, how y'all doing? Great. Morning, Doug. Morning, JB. Super, super deal. You know, before we get started, we always want to salute the men and women of our armed forces and our first responders, along with their families, for all the sacrifices that they make uh, to give us this great community and this great nation that we live in. Thank you so much. And for you first-time listeners, I'm Doug Ray, and I'm the founding principal of Ray Financial Group and this Wealth Guardians radio program. Let's start with this. If there was a missing fact or a piece of information that was costing you a significant amount of money now or if it could cause a problem or cost in the future, when would you want to know it? Today? Five years from now? Never? If that piece of information was a must-know fact, would you agree that you'd want to know about it prior to making any type of financial decision, especially one that puts your money at risk? That's what makes our firm different. We believe in identifying all the facts necessary to make a sound financial decision that's in your best interest before you make that decision. We're an independent financial firm working with pre-retirees and retirees in all areas of retirement and estate planning. We are fiduciaries and always have served our clients in that capacity. Well, you know, Doug, you've asked the questions. Now it's time for the answers, and we love it when you email those questions to us. And here, let me give you the email address in case you would like to send those uh, questions to us. It's info at the Wealth Guardians. Go ahead and send your questions to us because once a month we feature some of the questions on the show. After all, chances are someone else has a similar question, so we thank you for sending those in. Let's get started with the first question, Doug. It's from Terry, and he writes in, Hi, Doug. My wife and I... We are in our mid-50s, and we want to retire within 10 years. We're trying to save as much as we can each year for retirement. Can I contribute and max out both my employer 401k plan and a personal IRA account each year? Also, can I contribute for my wife as well since she is not currently employed? Finally, can I still make a contribution for the 2017 tax year, or is it too late? Thank you very much, Terry. Well, thanks, Terry. That's a very good question, and it's one that we get asked uh, quite a lot, actually. So contrary to popular belief, most people are able to contribute to both a company-sponsored retirement plan and a personal retirement account, traditional or Roth, in that same year. The only determining factor is the IRS's income phase-out guidelines. As long as your income is below the phase-out limits, you can max out both types of plans in the same year. So let's kind of look at those phase-out limits for 2018. In a traditional IRA contribution for a married couple, it's between $101,000 and $121,000 of income. If you're single, the phase-out is $63,000 to $73,000. So now for a Roth IRA phase-out, if you're married, and you file jointly, it's 189000 to 198000 And single, it's 120 to 135000 Now, if your incomes are below those phase-out limits when you are able to contribute to these types of plans up to the max of 5500 for anyone below the age of 50 
And if you're over 50, you can contribute up to 6500 Now, you said your spouse does not work outside the home. But did you know that as long as your income is enough, you can contribute for her as well into a traditional or a Roth IRA? And finally, to answer the last part of your question, can I do this for 2017 tax year? And guess what? The great news is, of course you can. Now, you have until you file your tax return, and that includes any extensions. And that extension can be up to October the 15th. So make sure you take advantage of this and uh, and get this done. Hey, guys, you know, for Terry and her husband, that would be critical and something that you would want to know ahead of time, wouldn't it? Sure, absolutely. And, and listen, most people need professional help to navigate this stuff. It's not easy. Imagine if you walked into a room and there was a machine that was dangerous to operate and there were like 20 dials to turn and 15 buttons to push. And if you do them all in the wrong order, there's a serious problem. Just like in your financial lives, if you hit the wrong switch at the wrong time, you could have money falling through the cracks for years to come. We have to do all the steps correctly to do them well before they're implemented. Absolutely. You know, Doug, that missing information could have really caused them to lose out on some tax benefits big time. All right, let's move along. We've got another question in from Claudia, and she writes in, Hi, Doug. As I am getting older, I'm more concerned about what could happen to my savings and investments if I become ill and I need long-term care. Now, I know there are long-term care policies that cover nursing home stays, but do they cover other services besides a nursing home? Are there any other options for protection besides traditional long-term care policies? Thank you. It's a great question. Well, hey, Claudia. Uh, Yeah, thanks uh, for that question, and you're smart to be concerned. Uh, Good for you. Most long-term care policies are going to cover services and care in all areas. That would include nursing home care, assisted living, adult daycare, and most importantly, care in your own home can be covered by most of these policies. The good news is there's a lot of different types of policies these days. You know, in the past, mostly it was just traditional long-term care insurance, and there's still some of those plans around today, and they could be a good option in some circumstances. But downside of the traditional long-term policies is that premiums can be expensive, and if you end up never needing this care, that money's just gone. Fortunately, today, there's a lot of other types of policies that could be a better fit. One specific type that I like a lot is an asset-based long-term care policy. This type of care is funded differently. It is funded with a lump sum of money. The lump sum of money produces a much larger protection bucket of money that you can use for these expenses. Plus, you don't have a premium to pay. So if you don't ever need long-term care, then your money will either pass on to your heirs or you can draw the money out and use it for whatever you want, and it collects interest along the way. This takes the risk of losing the money off the table because you know you're going to use this money one way or the other. These policies have become a lot more popular. Also, there's a lot of life insurance plans now that's going to allow you to use the death benefit for long-term care coverage even while you're alive. These are called combination policies or hybrid policies. So, yeah, there's a lot of different options available today to help protect against a long-term care illness. And a lot of times, it's a smart thing to do because long-term care is not covered by private insurance or even Medicare. 
It's only covered by Medicaid, but you got to be stone dead broke. Claudia, we have a process to help our clients identify any money that might be falling through the cracks in their finances and go towards covering those costs of these policies. If you need assistance in learning about these options, feel free to reach out to us. Our number is 336-391-3409, and we'll be glad to help you with it. All right, we've got another email question in from Dan, Doug. It says, uh, he writes in, I do not need my required minimum distribution income, so I am considering giving that money to my children now as an early inheritance to help them avoid having to pay tax on the money when they inherit my estate. Would it make sense for me to do this, and if so, how much can I give them each year before they would have to pay gift tax on the money? Thanks, Dan. Hey, Bryce, why don't we bring you in on the conversation? You take a stab at this question. Sure thing. All right. Hi, Dan. Uh, Thanks for another great question. And uh, yes, if you don't need your required minimum distribution and you want to give that money to your children, you can certainly do that. The gift tax extension this month, or I'm sorry, for this year, for 2018, is $15,000. So you can give up to that $15,000 to anyone you want each and every year without having any gift tax consequences. The benefit of giving some of your money away early during your lifetime is that by doing this, it will put that money into a position that reduces the tax liability they will have on what they are going to receive later down the line. So if you feel that you're in a lower tax bracket than they will be when they inherit your money, it's a very good strategy because you're choosing to pay the taxes on the money at your bracket and transfer it from your name to their name without any tax situation in the future. Now, a lot of people do this, and it's a good strategy in certain circumstances, But having said that, I can't really answer your question completely as to whether it's the best thing for you to do, because there are a lot of variables involved in determining that. This highlights yet another real-life situation, Doug, where having a process to identify all the facts before you make a decision is critical because there are potential tax consequences. It's just paramount. So if you have any additional questions, Dan, on uh, this, or if you want to really dial in to see if it's the best thing for you to do, please feel free to reach out to us, and we'll see if we can help you. You know, Bryce, that that question reminds me of a case I worked on a couple years ago where I had a client who had about an $8,000 a year required minimum distribution, and he was one of the fortunate ones. He had a pension, Social Security, so he really didn't need this uh, RMD to to live on, and of course, he had to take it. He didn't want to take it, but there's stiff IRS penalties if you don't. So what I did for him is I crafted one of those insurance policies. We talked about in the last question, a combination policy, where in his situation, this $8,000 a year RMD went to purchasing a $250,000 death benefit policy, which would, if he needed, uh, be able to uh, use to pay for home health, long-term care, nursing home care during his lifetime. And incidentally... Uh, those would be tax-free payments to help him offset those expenses. And, of course, if he went through life and he didn't um, need it for the health coverage, then the $250,000 would go to uh, his beneficiaries as a tax-free inheritance. So it was a a win-win for everybody. And I think, uh, you know, if you're folks out there with an RMD situation like this fellow and you really don't need it to – to spend, why don't you come in and explore the uh, option of creating some sort of a long-term care combination policy? We can even cover both you and your, your spouse on the same policy if you want to. 
You're listening to the Wealth Guardians radio show, heard locally here on WPTI 94.5. We appreciate you being with us. Remember, you can reach Doug at 336-391-3409 or at the website, thewealthguardians.com. Stay tuned as we have several more questions to answer. We'll be right back on the Wealth Guardian show here on 94.5 WPTI. Welcome back to the Wealth Guardian Show here on 94.5 WPTI, right in the middle of our question and answer show for March. So let's continue on. We've got a question here from Mark, and Mark writes in. He says, I'm getting close to retirement, Doug, and I have a pension from my employer. Now, will that pension be paid out in regular increments or as a lump sum payment? If I'm given a choice between the two, are there specific advantages or disadvantages to either one? Thanks, Mark. Well, you know, Bryce was on a roll on that last question, so let him just run with this one. Well, that sounds good to me. Sounds good. All right. Well, hi, Mark, and uh, congratulations on being close to retirement. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that you're uh, looking forward to it. Uh, to answer your question, most of the time a pension is going to be paid out in monthly payments. You'll have different options to choose from when you select your pension payout. One option is whether you want to select what is called a full pension amount, which will last for just your lifetime. Or if you're married, you'll have the option of choosing a surviving spouse option, which will allow that money to come to you, and then a certain percentage will continue for the remaining spouse's lifetime. So you certainly need to consider that because the percentage you choose for a surviving spouse is going to affect that payout. Obviously, if you choose a surviving spouse amount, it will be lower than the full pension amount. And if you choose a 100% survivor option, that's going to be the lowest payout amount. So sometimes the company will offer you a lump sum version instead of the monthly payout. Does it make sense to take that lump sum payment? Yeah, it just depends. You need to look at the numbers and look at your overall assets and incomes to see if it makes sense for you because there are a lot of variables. In some cases, it may make sense for you to take the lump sum option, and in some cases, it may not. Again, I don't have enough information to be able to tell you which way you should go on this, but using our firm's three-step process, I'm certain we could help you and your wife identify the critical facts you need to make the best decision before it needs to be made. And this is important stuff, and if you get it wrong, it's going to cost you money. You've worked a long time to get to this retirement season of life, and you want to structure that pension to get to the most out of it. So if we can help you, give us a call, 336 391 3409, and we'd be happy to meet with you. There's no cost or obligation. All right. Well, let's continue on. We've got some more email questions in, and the next question comes in from Pat, and Pat writes in. She says, Doug, my parents are working on establishing a will. They own property, including several rental houses, which they intend to pass on to me and my siblings uh, without going through a probate. Is a will the best way to go, or should they be doing something different? Thanks. Signed, Pat. Well, hey, Pat. Yeah, thanks for that question. You know, obviously, it seems like your parents are in the midst of doing some estate planning, which is a good thing. There's a lot of importance in having the proper legal document these days, whether it's a simple will, uh, some type of trust, a power of attorney, a living will, or other documents. So it's very important for them to get that done. In your case, were their goals and objectives of trying to avoid probate if they own assets like property and land and brokerage accounts, bank accounts, personal property, things of that nature, 
they may very well benefit more by going with a revocable living trust. Two of the big benefits of a living revocable living trust are that the assets in them avoid probate, and they also maintain privacy of the estate, which a lot of people really like. But if most of your assets are tied up in retirement accounts like IRAs, 401ks, life insurance, annuities, things like that, those accounts avoid probate entirely. But in your case, you're describing your parents owning property, including rental houses. So if they want to avoid probate, then probably a revocable living trust would be the best way to go. Now, obviously, we're not licensed attorneys, so we can't write that document for you or give you specific advice about that. You would want to talk with an elder law or an estate planning attorney to determine uh, your needs for sure. But in all probability, based on what you're describing, a revocable living trust would be better than just a standstill will. Now, a revocable living trust will also come with what's called a pour-over will, which will capture anything that is not in the name of the trust and will be distributed according to the way their wishes are set up. And by the way, Pat, if you don't know of any of these uh, estate or elder law attorneys, we have several great ones here in the triad we could be happy to refer you to. All right. Great information. Got another question, Doug. It comes in from Sandy, and Sandy writes in. She says, my husband is 68 years old. He has not yet turned on Social Security and plans to retire in four years. He has a 401k with his employer. Should he be rolling over this money into an IRA, then into a Roth IRA before he retires so we can pay the tax now rather than later? All right, Bryce, I'm going to let you have this one, too. Ah, excellent. Sure, Doug. Hi, Sandy. Uh, a lot of people are asking the same type of question now, especially with these new tax codes and lower tax rates than last year. And the fact that you're asking this question tells me that you agree that it's good or even critical for you and your husband to know ahead of time how you could enjoy your money in a most tax-advantaged way possible. I can't answer this question specifically because I don't have enough information from you. It could very well make sense to do a rollover to a traditional IRA and maybe convert to a Roth IRA if you feel that your tax rates will not be any lower when you retire. But if your husband is making a lot of money and he's in a very high tax bracket now, but when he retires he'll be in a lower tax bracket, then no, you would not want to do any conversion. But if he's in a lower tax bracket now or will be in the same tax bracket when he's in retirement, then it very well makes sense to do that. Remember, the objective with Roth IRA and Roth conversions is to try to get the taxes paid on money at the lowest tax brackets you possibly can and put that money in a position where it will never be taxed again. So for 2018, if you feel you're in a position where you can take some of that money out of a lower tax bracket and get the taxes paid on that money now and get it into a position where it will be tax-free forever, then it could very well be beneficial. It could especially be helpful before he turns Social Security on, because so doing, before then, it may prevent that Social Security from being taxed later. Again, there's a lot of other things that need to be considered to determine if this is something that he should do or not. So our advice would be for you to sit down and talk to any retirement professional who has a proven process, along with expertise in tax and income planning, to identify those critical facts you and your husband need to know before you make that move then together you'd be able to determine whether it will be a good move or not to do it this year. 
Keep in mind that the new tax law states that Roth recharacterizations are no longer available. So if you do make this move, you are no longer allowed to erase it like you used to be able to. Once conversions are made, they're permanent for that year. So you must make sure you know what you're doing and if it will be the best move for you. Our process starts with a review of a tax return to identify any potential money falling through the cracks. If you'd like more information on that and on your question, please feel free to reach out to us. We'd be happy to help you. All right, guys, I think we have time for another question. Let's take one uh, from Bert. His question is this. I converted a small traditional IRA to a Roth IRA last year. This year, my income will be a little lower, and with the tax cuts, I want to contribute to that Roth IRA since a tax deduction now to a traditional IRA will not help me much. Can I make a Roth contribution to the same Roth account that I opened last year with the conversion, or do I need to open a separate Roth IRA for this contribution? Thanks. Signed, Bert. So, Bryce, no more recharacterizations. That means no more mulligans. That's I right. I don't <laughs> all, know about, it's all over. I don't know about you guys. I couldn't play golf without a mulligan. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get back to the questions. Hey, Bert, thanks for that question. It involves a lot of strategic planning, and there's a lot of things that need to be considered before you, you make that selection. But the good news is that there is no law that says you cannot contribute to the same Roth IRA account that you funded with a conversion from before. Remember, there's two ways to get money into a Roth IRA. The first way is by making a contribution. If you've earned income and are below the phase-out limits, you're able to contribute to a Roth IRA each and every year. Maybe even contribute for a spouse who's not working. And, of course, the second way is for a Roth conversion, as we talked about before. That is taking money out of a pre-taxed IRA, paying the taxes on it, and then putting the money into a Roth IRA where it and all the interest it makes will never be taxed again, ever. So again, the conversion of IRAs have been very popular the last several years because people are seeing the writing on the wall of higher taxes in the future. They want to take advantage of these lower tax rates and start paying taxes on money now and get it out of harm's way for the future. I always like to say we're taking forever tax money and making it never tax money. So let's take advantage of these lower tax rates now while while we can. If you feel you're in a situation where you have room left in a lower tax bracket, like it sounds like you did last year, and you want to do a conversion, you can do as many as you want and as much as you want each and every year. There are no income limits and no restrictions on conversions. Anyone can do a conversion if they want using as much money as they want. There are no limitations anymore. So last year you did a conversion, and this year you want to contribute to a Roth IRA. The good news is, yeah, you can do this. It's no problem at all. The only issue you need to be aware of and be careful about is distributions from these accounts. Now, depending on when you may want to begin taking distributions from your Roth IRAs, there's different rules for conversions and contributions. Every conversion you make has a five-year window where you must leave the interest portion alone before you can take the interest out tax-free. So it must be five years or you have to be age 59 and a half, whichever is longer. So let's assume you're 59 and a half, and let's just say you did a conversion last year of $30,000. You can access the $30,000 anytime you want, but the interest that $30,000 makes must stay in the account for five years to be tax-free. 
For contributions, there's not this five-year window on each contribution. The five-year window starts from the very first contribution. So, in your case, if this is your first Roth IRA, then it will not matter because it will be five years. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time today, and I apologize that we're not able to get to all the questions that were submitted, but I certainly will respond personally to everyone who sent in a question. As always, if you have a question that you would like my thoughts on or ones that you would like to possibly have on the show, please feel free to send me an email at info at thewealthguardians.com. You know, we get a lot of questions each month, and if I feel that your question is something that can be beneficial to a lot of people, I would like to put it on the air. And now I'm going to ask you first, and obviously I'm going to protect your identity. So as we wrap up today, I'm going to ask you this. Do you know what question to ask to assure that your financial decisions are based on facts and logic, not emotions and not opinions? Don't sit on the fence because the market has been doing well. Contact us for a no-obligation review. Let us help you determine if you're making sound financial decisions based on facts and logic, not myths or misconceptions. Identify money that could be falling through the cracks and help assure your financial decisions are right for you. Give us a call. The number is 336-391-3409. And also ask about our next educational workshops or email us through thewealthguardians.com. We're going to see you guys again next Saturday. See you then. 